You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Next, we'll examine the letter of the Prophet to the Muqawqis of Egypt. Now, Muqawqis was the Egyptian Christian ruler or governor. Basically, he followed the Byzantine Empire and he was appointed by Caesar to rule over Egypt. Some reports indicate that the Muqawqis had accepted to give Caesar 19 million dinars every year so he can rule Egypt. Do you know how much 19 million dinars is? At that time, with one dinar, you could buy a sheep. So let's say, let's say the average price of a sheep, let's say it's $100. So multiply 100 by 19 million, what do you get? Multiply it by 10, that's 190 million. By another 10, that's 1.9 billion. So what's equivalent to $2 billion annually, he would give Caesar so he could rule Egypt. Egypt was rich with resources, by the way. So he had that type of resources to give him. But he was a Christian ruler, and he was basically the leader of the Coptics, Al-Aqbad. But he was under the overall authority of Caesar. So the Prophet sends him a letter. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Min Muhammad ibn Abdullah ila al-Muqawqis azim al-Qibt. This time he tells him, this, is, this letter is from me, to the great man of the Coptics, because he represented the Christian Coptics. The same content in the letter that we see to basically Caesar and Kesra. And he also threatens him. He tells him, if you don't accept my message, the sin of the Coptics will be on you. So don't block the path of guidance. I invite you to the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet gives the letter to Hatib ibn Abi Balta'a. He tells him, go and deliver this to the Muqawqis. He goes to Egypt, the Cairo area. He did not find the Muqawqis there. He was told that he's in Alexandria, Al-Iskandaria. So he goes to Alexandria and he was told that Muqawqis, the Egyptian ruler, was in a gathering overlooking the water. He was basically in a palace on the banks of the river. So Hatib, the messenger of the Prophet, enters the palace on a boat. Reminds you of like Disney World or some of these <laughs> fancy palaces. So he had to enter with a boat to the uh, palace of Al-Muqawqis. He gives him the letter. Al-Muqawqis reads the letter and he pondered over its contents. Then he said, if he is really a prophet, what prevents him from making a dua against those who opposed him, against his enemies, against those who drove him out of Mecca to go to Medina? If Muhammad is really a prophet, how come he doesn't have the power from God to destroy them? He's saying this in the presence of his people. You see how those savvy rulers come up with subtle ways to dismiss the message of the Prophet This is a shubha, this is a doubt that he's putting in the minds of his people. If he's really a prophet and I hear that he's been kicked out from his birthplace of Mecca, 
Why doesn't he, why doesn't he just do a simple dua? And Allah will destroy his people. Simple. Why all this chaos? <laughs> Strong shubha, huh? <laughs> Strong doubt. But Hatlib is educated by the Prophet. Even though he was not a scholar, Hatlib. But he had some understanding of how the system of Allah works. Quickly, Hatlib tells him, do you not bear witness that Jesus, the son of Mary, is the messenger of Allah? He said, yes, of course. He says, well, when his enemies wanted to kill him and they were about to cru crucify him, why couldn't he make a prayer to have them all destroyed? <laughs> Powerful answer by Hatlib to this Christian king. He was shocked. Now Christians, we don't believe Jesus was killed, but at least many Christians believe he actually got crucified. He actually got killed, they hurt him. So if Jesus is a messenger of God on behalf of God, why couldn't he make that prayer and just destroy the enemies, the Jews who wanted to kill him? And Muqawqis keeps silent and he tells him, bravo, good response. You are wise coming from someone wise. This caught the attention of Muqawqis. No, these Muslims, they know how to argue. They, they know how the system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works. Then Hatib proceeded to say to him, look, before you, this was a respectful threat. <laughs> he told him, look, before you, look at the Pharaoh who ruled Egypt before you, because he's the ruler of Egypt. So he cites the Pharaoh. He ruled Egypt before you, and he claimed to be the highest Lord. See how Allah destroyed him? and see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took revenge from him. Take that as a lesson for you. The Prophet invited people to God, but the most aggressive on whom were Quraysh. And those who had the greatest enmity to him were the Jews. But the closest ones that we found are the Christians. He's telling Muqawqas that we find the Christians to be closer to us. And the message of our Prophet is the same message as Musa alayhi salam, Isa alayhi salam, just as you know, you invite the people of the Torah, the Jews, to the Injil, to Christianity, we invite you to the Quran, complete that same journey. And then he says something very intelligent over here, it's very wise. He tells him, and we're not commanding you to abandon the religion of Jesus. In fact, we command you to uphold the religion of Jesus. But now that you've heard this prophet's message, you are obliged to obey him and to obey the path of Allah. So don't think we're asking you to leave Jesus. We Muslims, we accept Jesus. Just build on your faith. The Muqawqas replies. He says, I've examined the matter of this prophet and his teachings are indeed very important. I don't find him to be a deviant sorcerer, magician, because some had accused him of that. I find the tool or the faculty of nubuwa, prophethood with him. I'll think about it. I'll give you a response later. He seals the letter and he puts it in a box of ivory, which indicated that he had a lot of respect for the letter of the Prophet Hatib spent a few days there in Egypt. One day the Muqawqis asked to meet him, he summoned him. He told him, I have some questions to ask you. I'm, I'm thinking about this matter. What does your Prophet preach? Can you summarize some teachings? So he tells him, you know, he teaches us to worship the one God, pray five times a day, fast the month of Ramadan, observe the Hajj, fulfill our promises. He prohibits us from eating dead animals, blood, so on and so forth. He summarizes Sharia to him and the belief system. Then he continues to give him physical descriptions of the Prophet. 
He mentions the seal of prophethood on the prophet's shoulder. His clothing is very humble. He rides on the donkey. Why did he mention that? This is mentioned in the previous scriptures. The original Torah and Bible, they say the, the messenger who will come last, the final messenger, he's very humble and he rides on the donkey. So, no, Rakib al-Himar. Because the Prophet, he would ride on the camel, but he would ride also on the, on the donkey. This was a sign of his humbleness. Because the elites of Quraysh or the rich people at the time, they'd only ride a horse. So it was like the Mercedes Benz, right? <laughs> the Prophet, he was very humble. He would ride on the donkey. And this was an indication that he was a Prophet. And then, you know, he, he, he told him, as for his diet, his food, he'd eat some dates and some parts of bread. That's all. Listen to the response of the Muqawqis. هَذِهِ صُفَتُهُ Indeed, these are the descriptions of the final Prophet. وَكُنْتُ أَعْلَمُ أَنَّ نَبِيًّا قَدْ بَقِي I knew there was one messenger left who was supposed to come. But I thought he would come from Palestine. Because the Prophets usually come from that area. I did not think the last Prophet would come from Arabia which is a land of difficulty and misery. <laughs> Look, no one was interested in Arabia at the time. This desert place, you know, the land is not fertile to cultivate or farm anything, and the Arabs are nomads. No one was interested in this place. This was shocking to them, that the last prophet would come from this geography. And then he makes his excuse when the shaitan whispers to him, I know the Coptics will not listen to me if I ask them to follow him. And honestly, I'm concerned about my kingdom. If I follow your prophet, I'm going to lose my kingdom. I'm not ready for that. He clearly rejected the path of the Prophet And what's even more shocking is his own testament that the Prophet's religion will, will rule Egypt. I've read in our books that he will command control and his people will rule over Egypt. Even our land here soon will be theirs. He knows that, but he wants to rule the way he wants what remains from his life. Allahu Akbar. Look at the love of dunya. He knows he's a prophet. Not only that, he knows Muslims will soon conquer Egypt. He even knows that. But I want to rule the way I want. I, wa I don't want to submit to anyone. That's basically his message. And then he tells Hatib, this conversation that I had with you, this admission, confession that I just said to you, make sure not a single Coptic hears about it. Keep it a secret between us. I don't want anyone to know about this conversation. <laughs> Allah exposed it. He didn't want his people to know about the Prophet's message. Then he writes a letter back to the Prophet. And he says in his letter, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Muhammad ibn Abdullah min al-Muqawqis azim al-Qibd. This is my letter to you. Salamun alayk, peace be upon you. Basically he says that I've read your letter, I've understood what you're calling me to. And I knew that a Prophet would come at the end of times. But I thought he would come from Palestine which now isn't the case, and I have honored your messenger. See, because he also knew the Prophet was a Prophet, he didn't want to go to war with the Prophet, because he knew he would lose. So he's, he's trying to keep things 
positive with the Prophet And not only have I honored your messenger, I am sending you some gifts, some very precious gifts. One of them is a female slave. Who's that female slave that Muqawqis gifted to the Prophet Maria al-Qibtiya. So one of the gifts that he sends to the Prophet is Maria the Coptic. If you remember before, we have examined how she joined the Prophet's house and how she turned out to be one of his best wives and later she gave birth to Ibrahim who died when he was young. So Maria al-Qibtiya was a gift that al-Muqawqis of Egypt sent to the Prophet It's also been reported that this, the two special um, animals that the Prophet had to ride on were also gifted by him. Have you heard of Duldul? Have you heard of this name? So what is it? Assalamu alaikum. What is the what is what is Duldul? What do you know about Duldul? The donkey that the Prophet would ride on. And have you heard of Ya'fur or Ufair? Ufair was based Afwan, Duldul was the mule that the Prophet would ride on. And Ya'fur or Ufair was the donkey that the Prophet would ride on. It has been reported that he is the one who gifted these basically two animals to the Prophet And they were known to be you know, quick, savvy. And one of them, I, I don't recall which one, either Duldul or Ya'fur. After the Prophet passed away, after he was martyred, he became so depressed, he became, he, he started to hit his head on the ground until he died. Because he couldn't handle the separation from Rasulullah So it's been mentioned that he is the one who gifted them. Now, let's analyze the response of Muqawqis, the um, ruler of Egypt. Unfortunately, just like Caesar, he did not embrace Islam because he feared the Coptics won't accept that and that will kill him. This was his excuse. He wasn't willing to sacrifice. But here, we will pass a judgment on him. First of all, he forgot that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will support him. Even if you fear your people, as long as you recognize that the Prophet is sent by Allah, make the sacrifice. You forgot Allah's running the whole universe, he'll be with you. So both Caesar and Muqawqis actually lied by saying that we fear our people will kill us. No, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can protect you. They just wanted to blame their own people and justify their lack of Islam. Secondly, did he try to wisely step by step invite the Coptics to Islam? He never actually tried. So on what basis is he saying that they're going to kill me? Yeah, if you go like what Caesar did to make that scene, if you go and say, I've become Muslim and you uh, get an emotional reaction from them, they could kill you. But if you do it the Najashi way, the Najashi with his wisdom, he basically prepared the grounds for Islam and that's why Ethiopia primarily joined the religion of Islam. If Muqawqis honestly wanted to support the Prophet, there are many ways to do that. The Prophet is not telling you, today make a public announcement. He's just inviting you, accept and then ask the Prophet. If you believe he's a Prophet, tell him, Ya Rasulullah, what's the best way for me to invite my people? You don't want to ask this Prophet some advice? 
You don't want to consult some people. There were many ways for him to slowly advocate for the religion of Islam, but he didn't want to. So, unfortunately, we find this negative, you know, stance from him. But at the same time, he did not want to fight the Prophet And he did not want to draw attention to this religion. Because if he would mention the Prophet publicly, let's go fight him, you know, the Coptics would hear, well, why do you want to fight him? What's his message? And he feared they would become Muslim. And he also admits that Islam will reach Egypt. He knows that, but he just wants to enjoy the rest of his life as king and does what he wants. Now, I have a question to address over here, which is the doubt that he mentioned to Hatib. If Allah listens to the Prophet and his dua is mustajab, why didn't the Prophet pray against Quraysh? And just, you know, have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obliterate them. Why didn't he do that? Yes. But but that is that verse about believers or everyone? It's, it's about the I, I was I, I'm under the assumption that it's under the it's for the mushrikeen that you know even while he's Azizun alayhi ma anittum. So there's a special rahmah for the believers, but he cares about everyone. Even the kuffar, even those who did not believe, the Prophet genuinely cared about them. So he does not want to just make a dua against them and destroy them. Yes, that's one response. Couldn't we also say that the beginning of Surah Tawbah, the Arba'at um, Ashkar is also because of Rasulullah? Okay, for the sake of Rasulullah, you have a four month leniency period to get your act together. To give you an opportunity, one last chance over here. That's also because of the, the, the concern, the concern that Islam had for these people, yes. So one response is the Prophet is sent as a rahmah for everyone. He was not sent to make du'as against people and destroy them. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the Holy Quran, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعَذِّبَهُمْ وَأَنْتَ فِيهِمْ One special feature of the Prophet or characteristic of the Prophet is that when he's amongst people, Allah doesn't destroy them like he destroyed previous civilizations. Prophet Nuh and his people, Allah destroyed them in the flood. The, the people of Ad, the people of Thamud, the people of Lut, Allah just completely destroyed them. Prophet Muhammad, because he's the maximum manifestation of Allah's mercy, Allah does not destroy a people when he's around. So one answer is the Rahmah. Um, did you also have another response to that? Yeah, so that's primarily why he didn't do dua. Secondly, the second reason to try, to try the people. If the Prophet is there and he just makes duas against people, okay, let me eliminate this tribe, let me kill this people, where's the trial? You have to let others be tried give them the opportunity so on the day of judgment, they don't say, oh Allah, I mean, you quickly, you quickly destroyed us. You didn't even give us time to think about this. And you also want to try the believers. Are you willing to sacrifice? This requires sacrifice. So these are two primary, you know, reasons. Yes. Could we say a third reason is um, in Mubahala, the 
Christian could recognize that okay, if these five raise their hands against us, we're finished. The Meccans, the Quraysh, are kind of jahil. They, if, if they see him raising his hand, they're used to him. He grew up amongst them, so they wouldn't even feel that, oh, we're about to be destroyed. So they wouldn't run to him asking, okay, okay, let us, let us live to another day. Could we say that's a third um, reason sure. because of their jahada? That is, po- that is a possibility, definitely. That we could add that as a third possibility. Ahsant. In any case, Hatib takes the letter from Muqawqis, the governor of Egypt, and he delivers it to the Prophet and he delivers the conveys the message of Muqawqis to the Prophet. The Prophet says, he comments, he says he has not accepted Islam because he's concerned about his power, but his rule and authority will come to an end soon. And that's exactly what happened. So this is another letter that the Prophet sent to you know the one of the emperors or kings. Any questions about that? Sayyid, salam alaikum. Alaikum assalam. How are you? Alhamdulillah. May Allah bless you. <laughs> Thank you, Sayyid. Um, I have a question. Um, how, why was he inviting him to Islam when he knew he was a, like he believed in God and he was a Christian? Because Allah sent Islam as the final religion to complete previous religions. And so people were commanded to follow this new religion and this new Sharia. So even Christians were commanded by Allah to join Prophet Muhammad It's not that it was optional. You know, you can stay on your path or you can join this Prophet. No, now it was a command. Just like Bani Israel were commanded to follow Prophet Isa when Allah sent him, the Christians were commanded to follow Prophet Muhammad. This was an instruction from Allah. Secondly, the, the Christian true faith had been changed. They were not practicing the original message of Prophet Isa It was corrupted, right, with the Trinity, with other aspects. So the Prophet was now inviting them to the pure faith. Many changes have happened in your religion. Come and follow this pure faith. So this was also another reason. So Allah commanded him to reach out to those kings and to invite them to Islam. So could they have stayed on their religion just No, the no. See, they, yeah. you could, in that era, you were allowed to stay on that religion if you did not know about Prophet Muhammad Okay, so you have to follow the religion of Isa until the new Prophet comes. But now that he became certain Prophet Muhammad is a Prophet, <coughs> he had no choice <coughs> but to accept. Not all Christians believe that. Christians had split into various groups. Most of them, yes, at that time they believed in the divinity of Prophet Jesus, but not everyone did. There were Christians who believed that Isa was a messenger to Allah and he was not the son of God or he was not the Lord. So you had different Christians. Over time, those Christians, by the way, decreased. Some of them still exist until today. Um, they're called the Unitarians, but, but most of them today are Trinitarians, I would say.